Welcome to the first edition of the FSU Conversation. During our regular segments, we will highlight FSU School of Communication, its students, alumni, and happenings in the industry. I'm your host, Austin Ricart, and I'm a senior in the School of Communication majoring in Public Relations. Today, we will be focusing on the topic of crisis communication, and we'll be joined by a very special guest, alumni Susanna Wesley, a communications expert with direct crisis communication experience for American Airlines, Ford, Shell, and many other Fortune 500 and Global 100 companies. So let's jump right into crisis communication, a topic always relevant these days. Susanna, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Austin, thanks for having me. Yep, we're so excited to have you on. I'm very happy you could make it with us today. Prior to recording, you shared with me that your experience at FSU shaped your view of crisis communication. Can you give our listeners a little bit more insight on why this is so? Sure. So. I was a freshman in 2001 um, when the attacks on the World Trade Center happened. And that was right after we started school that year, obviously, in September. Um, I was a few minutes late to class, and I was walking um, through the Ogilvy Union to um, a class on politics and law. And I saw um, on the CNN screen, the TV screens, that um, the first plane had hit. My first reaction was to go to my class and tell them, um, and so my professor at first didn't 100% understand what I was saying, um, but eventually walked everyone to the union to watch what was happening on the screens. Um, but what, what made me learn a lot about crisis communication is how some of the other leaders that I knew from student government reacted in that moment. Um, and so these student leaders um, walked to each building, identified themselves, and let professors know in that moment that FSU was being shut down. Um, We all gathered in the union afterwards, but I just thought um, that was fascinating to me that their first reaction was to run to the president's office and help. And so thinking about crisis communication, there's a term that people who uh, are really good at crisis communications run toward the gunshots. It's kind of a weird term, but, um, and I saw those people that day do that, um, jump right in and help without even thinking twice about it. And what's fascinating is that so many of those people um, have gone on to careers in crisis communications or in politics or in very high pressure um, positions. And so that time at FSU and how we handled that as a student government and how we handled that as a um as a school really shaped my view of successful crisis communications, both immediately uh, and then for months to come. Right, exactly. And that's such a good example. I I feel that today um, we are in a very similar situation with the COVID-19 pandemic. And I think that, you know, this situation really puts it on a lot of students to step up and, you know, start to take leadership uh, at our school and our community and everything like that. And I think that, you know, this is going to be a valuable experience for students and beyond. So thank you very much for that. So here we are in the middle of an unprecedented pandemic, a contentious presidential election, ongoing racial tensions, an economic crisis, and more. It seems that this is an ideal time to have an understanding of crisis communication. 
overall, do you think communicators were prepared for everything 2020 has thrown at us? No, um, I, I don't think you're ever prepared for anything that can happen. But 2020 is certainly an interesting example of um, a powder keg of many, many different issues coming together um, that affect businesses, affect government, affect everyone in our country and in the world. Um, but specifically thinking about um, how crisis communicators or how communicators in general could have prepared for this. When I look back uh, in March of this year, when we first started with COVID-19, um, really understanding the impact that would have on our communities, many businesses actually listed in their annual reports um, and that this would be a risk, um, that a pandemic could be a risk to business um, and to harm operations. And that's interesting to me because as communicators, we weren't building crisis communications plans for this. But thinking about what we could have done differently, I, as a communicator, should have looked back and made sure I familiarized myself with what we were communicating to investors and analysts um, about the potential risks. So looking at some of the other ones, our cyber attack, and that's something we're going through right now. If you follow the news and saw there's been a ransomware attack on several hospitals in New York, um, there are lots of factors that we should be considering and there are auditors and risk managers outside of communications who are looking for um, and communicating those things. So this is a good opportunity to make sure that um, you're looking at the big picture from a business perspective and, and taking in all of those inputs uh, as you plan. So you've obviously worked, you know, in-house and consulted for giant companies. How have you seen businesses adapt their communication best practices to address COVID-19? And, you know, which organizations have transitioned exceptionally well? Sure. So often when I think about um, COVID, I think about it as a customer first. So safety and security is absolutely first for your employees, but also for your, your customers. So who has done it well um, by changing things to make people feel safe when they're in a physical space or even in um, virtual businesses? Uh, so once you've earned confidence, then you can communicate more about the products and services that you have uh, that can help solve problems. So I'm going to ask you, actually, um, as a customer or as a communicator, who do you think has done a really good job of making you feel safe um, and secure and that they're really taking um, taking precautions to, to ensure your, your safety and the safety of other customers? Oh, you put me on the spot here. So from a personal standpoint as a college student, I've seen a few companies uh, like, like Walmart, uh, like Uber that have done an exceptional job in my opinion of, of really adapting to this pandemic. Walmart, I've seen you know, more specifically, at least in the one in Tallahassee, they have uh, created almost a uh, barrier walkthrough uh, similar to the fashion uh, that theme parks have. And mm -hmm. they limit the amount of people coming in the store uh, and it keeps track of how many people are inside at a given time, which I think for a lot of people, um, especially people like myself that have been, you know, extremely careful with this pandemic, that helps with their peace of mind and, you know, all the other precautions that, you're, that you see them taking. They're obviously cleaning a lot more. They're obviously enforcing social distancing. And I, I, I think that Walmart, for me, has been one of the best adapting organizations. And Uber, um, being a college student, you know, some places just aren't accessible to park or it's just, it's just not convenient for you to drive to an event or function. And I think that organizations like Uber and Lyft with their new mask policies, their limit on the amount of people that are inside a car at a given time, 
I think that these help people still feel safe, the drivers and the passengers. We can't shut down ride sharing because it's just become such a huge part of, you know, our economy and our daily lives. And I think they've done everything that they can and continue to do more to help people feel safe using their product and service. Sure. And I agree. I think that the, the companies that acted quickly to change policy, to add extended cleaning, to require um, face coverings in, um, in their facilities or in their stores um, are those that, that have seen an uptick in uh, loyalty because that matters to, um, to a large group of uh, uh, their customers. What I would also say is that once you've reached beyond that safety and security um, and you've earned confidence, you've also earned the right to um, to fill some of the gaps in what um, what customers are looking for. So for me, um, I have a five-year-old and we've been doing remote kindergarten, which has gone about as well as you would expect with 31 kids on Zoom uh, who are five years old. Um, And I, with that and um, work and everything else, um, I am really sick of my own cooking. I'm sick of um, having to even think about what we're having for dinner. And my husband's a great cook. He's sick of his own cooking too. And so I saw a former colleague who owns a company called Cauliflower Power, which is a, um, cauliflower pizza started as a cauliflower pizza crust company for people who can't have gluten. Um, I saw that she had done something interesting with offering, they're expanding their, their product line to include rice cauliflower and some other products. And they offered a cookbook that is literally called I'm sick of my own cooking cookbook with easy recipes, um, both with her products and with other, other plant-based products that um, you can use like five minute recipes. And it came, it came in a little box with lots of their um, new products that they're trying to promote um, some coupons for the free cauliflower pizza crust and then a Zen candle. Um, so you can calm down and um, get through the pandemic. I really liked this because it wasn't trying to solve a global issue. So it's not trying to say in unprecedented times, this is what this company is doing. It went to a very specific problem that this company can help solve. And I think that kind of um, communication is really powerful in this time. People are tuning out that larger um, message about things being unprecedented because they're sick of hearing about it. Um, But solve a problem for me in my life uh, and I appreciate it. So I'm getting my cookbook next week and I'm looking forward to trying some new things that uh, aren't in our regular rotation. One other thing I would say is that COVID um, has been really tough on employee communications. So employees want to feel really safe with the fact that they'll have a job. They want to feel um, comfortable that their employers are keeping them and their families safe, but also doing everything they can um, to ensure the business continues um, as normal as possible. And I think that um, there's been a real challenge in how to communicate um, really horrible things like employee deaths. So do you communicate your case count if you're, um, a large employer, do you communicate um, when employees pass away from complications of COVID or from COVID? Um, how, do you, how do you balance communicating about COVID um, regularly while you're also talking about these other big systemic issues like racial injustice and um, 
and everything that's going on with uh, the election. People are feeling overwhelmed and it's not your um, employer's job to fix that for you, but it really helps build loyalty and trust when you can address it in an authentic way. And when you're, when you know that your leaders at your company care about all of those things. Um, so it's, it's an interesting balance that people have had to strike to make sure that they're not communicating about all of the um, negative all the time, but they're also giving their employees hope and tools and resources to do their jobs successfully. I think the companies that are succeeding the most in handling this pandemic are the ones that, like you said, extend beyond just, you know, communicating to reach the money line and, mm-hmm. you know, really, really making your clients and, and your employees feel like you are actually, you actually do care about them, like you said, and, and you want to see them thrive during this time as best as they can and as best as you can. So I couldn't agree more. And often, one more point, um, thinking beyond COVID and thinking about everything that's been going on in our country um, from a systemic racism and racial injustice perspective, I think there have been some companies that, um, that really focus on their purpose and really focus on their communities. And so I'm curious to see a year from now, how that affected their brand um, and how that affected their customer base. So McDonald's is a really good example of talking about racial injustice in a way that that company hadn't in the past. Obviously, Nike has taken a a giant stand there um, and done some really interesting um, work and really pushed forward communications about um, about the issues in our in our country, um, and then some others that are kind of unexpected, some local businesses, some um, smaller businesses, and so I I think that for a long time communicators have said that having a purpose, having a, a purpose outside of just making money, is really important as consumers are considering which businesses they want to do business with, and so um, it'll be important for um, companies to take a stand when it's appropriate for them and to call out things that that aren't right um, across the board from an injustice perspective. So it'll be interesting to see, um, like I said, what that does to their customer base and what that does to their brand, um, if it does uh, create more loyalty. But I know that that's not the goal. The goal was for um, McDonald's executives to feel like they were doing the right thing in a time when that needed to happen. Right. So going off of my previous question, from your professional experience and your foothold in the industry, what do you think has been the most valuable skill? So um, valuable skill is being comfortable with rejection. So communications is very um you just have to be used to it. So get get used to taking risks and being rejected. Um, I have a tendency to be a creative communications um, professional. So I want to encourage my teams to take risks and come up with ideas and um, be smart about that. Obviously, link it back to business strategy and business goals, but, but be willing to push the envelope a little bit. Um, also, when you're talking to media, and I'm sure you've seen this in your internship and in your other work often, um, media reject you all the time. You're not going to get every story uh, placed, and you're not going to get every idea approved by um, by leaders in the businesses or the agencies that you work with. Um, and also looking for jobs, 
be ready to apply for hundreds of jobs and get rejected from a lot of them until you find what's right for you. And so um, just being comfortable with that and not taking it personally, I think is really critical um, to success in this industry. Right. And, and again, I know in my, my limited experience in the industry, I've, I've seen how with the edits that come back with internships that you don't get, there's, there is so much rejection in this industry, but it's a learning process and you learn from every rejection. And if you do that properly, you know, the more rejections you have, the better communications professional you are, I believe. So thank I you for agree that. More. So I guess my last question for you would be, you know, what advice do you have to give someone who's trying to make it? And beyond that, you know, what are some of the main areas or specialties, you know, to keep an eye on that you believe are growing in the industry? Sure. I think the most important thing, um, my advice is to be curious, learn everything you can, um, read things that you agree with and that you don't agree with. Um, look at, Look at publications that you never thought were relevant to you. Um, spend some time with people who have different opinions than you. Austin, you mentioned earlier in the conversation that uh, communications to diverse audiences is, is really important. So you're not going to always be talking to people that think the way that you do. So the bigger you can make your world and the more curious you can be, uh, the more successful you'll be as a communicator and probably also as a, as a human. Um, when I'm looking at um, areas to watch, I found a lot of interest. I became really interested in privacy and cybersecurity when I was working at Ford um, most recently. And what I saw is that um, customer privacy, especially with so many state regulations uh, being passed and international regulations being passed, um, it's really important to understand from a communications perspective how to protect information how to communicate and what's appropriate. And so becoming really familiar with that was important to me. Um, I actually went on to get my certified information privacy professional uh, certification from the International Association of Privacy Professionals um, because it interested me so much. And so when I think about something that people should be paying attention to, it is cybersecurity and privacy. So there are real threats. And as communicators, it's super important to understand what that battlefield looks like. Um, some of it's motivated by politics, some of it's motivated by um, money, some of it's motivated by factors we don't even understand. And when I started out in communications, this isn't something that a crisis communicator would even be planning for. But as a communications and risk manager today, you really need to think about worst case scenario or possible scenarios of what could happen. So here's what I, things I was thinking about just in the last week. What does it do to a car company's brand um, or their reputation if a hacker can brick um, your car um, or worse yet, brick an entire a company's fleet of vehicles because cars are so connected um, with ransomware? So often you can't start your car unless you pay this hacker $10,000. Now, that technology isn't a real threat right now, but it probably will be in the future. Or how does a power company manage communications with customers, especially customers with needs, uh, very specific needs like the elderly, um, if electricity is in danger because someone's taken down part of the power grid? Um, with privacy regulations passed in so many different states and, and communicators and attorneys needing to understand um, the specifics of those to be able to communicate in different places, how does customer communications change? And so um, those are the things I'm thinking about uh, and researching. Um, there's a, a really fascinating author um, named Kashmir Hill, and she actually broke the 
um, the story years ago um, that um, algorithms had actually figured out that a teenage girl was pregnant before she communicated to her parents. They sent her, because of her search history on Target's website and in the app, they sent her a flyer in the mail for pregnancy, um, uh, maternity supplies, and baby supplies. And um, her parents were outraged. And it turned out that Target figured that out from a privacy perspective. That was interesting that they could communicate this and ultimately caused her to break that news to her parents that she was pregnant. So things like that, just make sure you're reading everything, following everything that you can find, that you're learning anything you can. And finally, raise your hand for any opportunity. Um, so many of the things that have gone um, well and the things I've learned from the most in my career are things that were out of my comfort zone that I just raised my hand for and said, hey, let me sit in the room for that and I want to learn. Um, you will always be more successful if you can uh, make your world a bigger place. Exactly. I, I found that the more that I get out of my comfort zone in, in class and in my internships, I, I found that some of my most valuable learning experiences where I was, you know, very uncomfortable and very unexperienced in what I was doing. But that's how you learn. And, you know, I couldn't agree more with your point on that. And beyond that, I want, I want to emphasize a little bit more about how you talked about you know, you're, you've been a professional, you've been out of school, you've been in the industry working, and yet you're still going to get new certifications, learn new things. It's just so important in this industry and pretty much every other industry to continue to learn even after, you know, you close your last textbook for school. It's, it's so important. And, and I, I think it's something that's really overlooked and people just continue to work the job that they envision themselves doing and, you know, not going beyond and learning more and getting better every day. Thank you so much for your time and lending your expertise on such an exciting topic. You were an exceptional first guest, and I myself can't think of any better way to open a podcast. Thanks, Austin. I appreciate it. And um, really look forward to continuing to see what you guys do with this podcast. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. It seems we're nearing the close of our kickoff segment. Be sure to follow at FSUcom on Twitter and FSU Communication on Instagram for more information on future podcast segments and everything else the School of Communication has to offer. Also, be sure to check out Mike's Glenn's podcast from the Office of Undergrad Admissions, The More You Know. So, until next time, from all of us here at the FSU School of Communication, and be sure to always remember to keep the conversation rolling.